This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Getting just a little bit of feedback. We want to work on that. Hey, everybody. It's a joy to be with you today on the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. Morning, Sarah. I missed you yesterday. So please meet us over here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the AMV Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page. We've got a lot to talk about today. Started this conversation with Dr. Gates, White McKee, about Dr. King's life and his impact upon Chicago, his impact upon the country's world. And you can, there's a direct tie between this election and Dr. King's Chicago campaign. Everything that Dr. King came here to, to remedy, these are the things that we're fighting for today. And we want to continue to tie all of that together. For those of you who might feel dispirited or despondent about voting, you've got to vote. That is a tribute to Dr. King as we commemorate and celebrate his life in this season. But you need to understand the real ties, the lasting ties that Dr. King has to this process and what, uh, how the machine, Democratic machine, Mayor Daley threw him out. And Reverend Jackson wasn't left here. Reverend Jackson was already here. Contrary to what some people think, Dr. King did not hire him and assign him to Chicago. Reverend Jackson was already in Chicago. He was organizing. And because Reverend James Bevel and others felt that he was such a brilliant organizer, and he is, they said, you need to hire this guy. This guy. Young, energy, people like him. He's at the University of Chicago already. Boom. That's how that happened. So we've got a lot to um, got a lot to talk through today. A lot to talk, a lot to talk through as we are looking at um, the election. Mind you, January 26th is when WCPT will have the debate. All of the candidates will be there. Joan Esposito, Patty Vasquez, and I will be moderating this debate. You don't want to miss it. And we have a free ticket giveaway. A couple of tickets we're going to be giving away every day this week. Want you to be there. It's next Thursday. It's going to be fantastic. We're very excited about this and honored that all of the candidates will honor uh, will honor you by being there. So stay tuned because I've got two tickets to give away. You don't want to miss it, everybody. So we're going to be talking about this election. I want to know who's your favorite candidate. I mean, do you want Mayor Lightfoot? Do you want Chuy Garcia? Do you want Brandon Johnson? No. Uh, from WCPT and the Chicago Teachers Union, do you want? Uh, do you want Jamal Green? Do you want Sophia King? Do you want uh, who? Do, who you got in this race? You got nine people running, and they will all be at this event on the 26th. So what? What do you think? Who is um, Paul Vallis, Rod Sawyer? All these people I know, and they're all good people. They're all good people. So what do you what do you want from a mayor? What do you want from a mayor? I want you to call me at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT. Let me know what your who you got in this race. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Let's get some of these headlines. In Chicago, we'll have a high of thirty degrees and there will be showers. 
Minneapolis, St. Paul, 31 degrees, it would be cloudy. Then I saw the Abraham game last night, shocking right. In the NBA, the Timberwolves will be facing the Nuggets tonight. In NHL, Chicago was triumphant over the Sabres 4 to 3, and the Wild will triumphant over the Capitals 4 to 2, everybody. Stay tuned for this ticket giveaway. Everybody, you do, you do not want to miss this. You want to miss this debate. It's going to be something really, really special. Some more of these headlines, everybody. In Ukraine, an interior minister is among at least 16 people killed after a helicopter crash in the Kiev suburb today, according to the Ukrainian President Zelensky called the crash. Um, a terrible tragedy in order to officials to find out all the circumstances of the incident. This comes as more than 9,000 civilians, including 453 children, have been killed in Ukraine since Russia's invasion began last February. A senior Kiev official said. Senior House Republicans are preparing to hold hearings on the problems at the southern border, which they say could serve as a prelude to an impeachment inquiry against Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. It's exceedingly rare for a cabinet secretary uh, to be impeached, as it has only happened once in U.S. history in 1876. Meanwhile, House committees are forming and some of the awarded seats have drawn uh, the ire of several Democrats. Embattled Republican Congressman George Santos has been awarded seats on two low-level committees, but he's been awarded seats. You know, you don't have to get a seat on any committee, everybody, but he's been awarded that, um, although he's facing growing calls to resign. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gozar also received their congressional assignments, high congressional assignments. Indeed, Homeland security among them. Mm. Military veterans can now receive free emergency mental health care. According to an announcement by the Department of Veteran Affairs, the new policy, which went into effect yesterday, provides inpatient care for veterans in suicidal crisis for up to 30 days and outpatient care for up to 90 days at no cost. This expansion of care will save veterans' lives, and there's nothing more important than that, according to the VA Secretary for Veterans Affairs. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. So excited to have Sir Vicki Johnson with us today. It was wonderful being with you over at the University of Chicago at the Lutheran School of Theology, along with Dwight McKee and my Pastor Reginald, Reverend Reginald Sharp and you, Dr. Thomas. I mean, it was just a really a wonderful, wonderful event, and thank you for the invitation. We had a great, great time, Pastor Johnson. Thank you, Santita, for being there, sharing on the panel. You did an excellent job as we lifted up Dr. King, the, the things behind the scene regarding Dr. King and how his life has impacted impacted so many. And uh, Dr. Richard Perry was on the panel, along with Mrs. June Porter, the wife of the Reverend Dr. John Porter. So it was a great time. And I, again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you with all of mine for having me come. It was just, it was, it was an unexpected blessing. It was, un, it was an unexpected blessing to see Mrs. Cross and to, just to see everyone there and so many uh, so many people who who have it was a packed room, and to hear to see the interest that people have in just who this man Dr. King was and is. That's why we're connecting him, Pastor Vicky, to the election uh, because the mayoral campaign 
and all these things that Dr. King was fighting for, all the things that Reverend Jackson continued to fight for, and you joined him in fighting for. Um, these are things that I think we need to discuss. We need to talk about. I think we need to know just how much of his energy and how much of him programmatically we're living with today. Yes. So good morning, Santita, and good morning to all of your morning stars and friends. There is good news. Monday, we celebrated the King, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who would have been 94 years old now. We celebrate him, but when he was alive and walking the face of the earth, he was despised and rejected. His theology was too radical. He wanted everyone to find a place and join the fight for liberty and justice for all. Sunday in my sermon from John, the first chapter, John the Baptist identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sin is like uncollected garbage. When garbage is uncollected, it begins to smell and can draw rodents. It causes problems. It can even lead to disease and death. That is why sanitation workers are so important. Dr. King spent the last day of his life fighting for the rights of sanitation workers who would take away the sin, the smelly, germy garbage from our neighborhoods so that the environment could be clean and free of disease. Dr. King took on dirty jobs. The job of challenging his white moderate colleagues in a letter from the Birmingham jail. He was gravely disappointed with white moderates, saying, reaching the regrettable conclusion, he said that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Speaking these words out loud and putting them in print was a dirty job. Then to bring the movement to the North where black people thought they were already free was a dirty job. Statues are built now for Dr. King. Streets are named now for Dr. King. A national holiday is given now in honor of Dr. King. But back then, back then when he decided to bring the movement north, he was met with much opposition from his own people and his own religious colleagues. It was a dirty job. He was literally run out of churches at gunpoint. He faced racism that he had not even experienced in the South 
right here in Marquette Park in Chicago. It was a dirty job. But just like the sanitation workers that he fought for in Memphis, Tennessee, he was willing to do the dirty job to take away the sin, the smelly, germy garbage of injustice from our world so that the environment can be clean and free of the disease of racism and all other isms. So today we don't see the sanitized king, no, but we see the one who did the dirty jobs to effectuate change. Be willing to do some of the dirty jobs. Fight to end voter suppression. Be willing to get some feathers ruffled and even kicked out of conversations as you stand up for what is right. Be willing to do the dirty jobs. If you will do this, and I hope that you will, then to me, that's good news. Amen, 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 amen. And he died with the garbage workers, cleaning mm-hmm. up the garbage. There are five quotes yeah. I came across, Pastor Vicki, uh, in which he talked, they said, this is how we cannot whitewash this man out of history and make him mm-hmm. this convenient guy. He said, the price that America must pay for the continued oppression of the Negro and other minority groups is the price of its own destruction. Went on to say, white Americans must recognize that justice for black people cannot be achieved without radical changes in the structure of our society. And on and on and on he went, and on and on and on he went. The most dangerous Negro in America, according to J. Edgar Hoover. And some Mm. people are now calling for J. Edgar Hoover's name to be removed from the FBI building. I disagree with that. Keep his name right there so you can know exactly who Dr. King faced as an enemy. Yes. Let him let it stay right there. You need to know what their founding mission was and um, in many respects continues to be. They don't follow these. We find out a lot of the people who rushed the Capitol on January 6th. Many of them were with the FBI and the police. So we need to, you know, don't, don't take these names down. Oh, no, 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 no. What you need to do is put a plaque on there and just say, no, yeah, yeah, and he messed with Dr. King, too. Put that on there. Don't take, it, don't right. take his name off the building. No, I don't want you to forget him. Don't forget J. Edgar Hoover. Sending you much love. How can we worship with you on Sunday, Pastor? Well, you can worship with me at St. Thomas Lutheran Church, 8000 South Jeffrey Boulevard here in Chicago, Illinois, at 1130 a.m., that one hour of power. Or you can join us on Facebook Live um, at St. Thomas Lutheran Church, Chicago. We will be so glad to have you. We just love Pat Vicki Johnson. We love her. We love her. We love her. And we thank God for her and her full ministry, whether she's singing, speaking, or preaching. We just thank God for that. We've got Dr. Shanina Knighton with us today. It's a joy to have you, Dr. Knighton. Uh, how are you this morning? Dr. Knighton? Oh, is Dr. Knighton there? 
Okay. Well, <laughs> okay, Doctor, I got about three minutes left for you. What do you want us to know about our health today? As they are now planning to shift the cost of COVID-19 recovery onto us, the vaccines, the treatments, all of that. Dr. Knighton? Oh, I wish we could have her right now, but you know what, everybody? We're going to get her. We'll get her tomorrow. Wow, what happened to Dr. Knighton? We, we, oh, I thought we had her queued up. I thought we had her queued up. Everybody, what's talk about? Christina, I'm sorry. Oh, I was out oh, here. No, yeah. uh, couldn't hear you at all, so I got... I got three minutes for you. You go. So I just think it was interesting that today's talk was about sanitation. And it's interesting because I've been working on a project. And I know we talk about hygiene poverty a lot and just raising the awareness of the fact that people don't have basic necessities such as soap, detergent, um, deodorant, I mean, what is it, uh, sanitation napkins, anything that they need to be able to meet their basic care needs. So when you think about what that translates into, that translates into a dirty refrigerator, a dirty stove, that translates into someone not being able to live in good conditions and living in deplorable conditions. So when someone walks into someone's home and they're trying to understand well, why is it that this person lives like this or why does this neighborhood look like that? It is an inconsideration that maybe people don't have the means to keep up with trash bags and to keep up with the things that they'll need just to be able to keep their environment clean and to keep their personal hygiene up to date. That has consequences on people's health that we don't think about. So while there are national initiatives such as water, um, adequate sanitation and hygiene. So an acronym of WASH that globally is the initiative that emphasizes that people don't have soap and water. The irony is that when you look at places such as Michigan, when you look at places that have issues with lead or water issues, sanitation issues with their water, that's happening right here on our very soil. And so I'm bringing that up just to say that as we even reflect, you know, on what Pastor said in regards to the mark, you know, that was made. The fact that we do need to think about what are the consequences when we talk about inequities that occur in between people. And so as we're thinking about, let's say, donating these items or even thinking about, let's say, food, remember that even if you are going to the food bank and donating canned goods, Someone doesn't have a can opener to open up that food. So my message today, even though it's short, Santia, is just think about how the unintended consequences of not having the basic necessities of life can end up resulting in, let's say, a weakened immune system because of what you're exposed to, which then means that you are also predisposed to getting an infection. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think about that, but, you know, hygiene, poverty, I really, you know, I'd like you to expound upon that more uh, tomorrow or just in any day that you choose, really to explain what that is, uh, because so we all, you know, it, it's all around us. It's all around us. And for people who are homeless, for people who are living in their cars, 
for people who are living from pillar to post, what is the impact of not, I mean, and through no fault of your own, of not de- not having access to soap and water, not even deodorant. What's just the soap and water getting the dirt of the day off of you? That's a real, real issue for a lot of people. We love you, Pastor, but you do have a ministerial zeal about what you do. Of course, infection prevention is. And PhD, registered nurse, Dr. Shanina Knighton, everybody. Her handle is at, hey, Dr. Nina, at H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. Let's talk about this mayoral race here in Chicago. It's right around the corner. We have two tickets to give away because we are going to be having a debate here at WCPT on January 26th. you got to keep listening to the San Peter Jackson Show. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Stay tuned. I've got two tickets to give away for the January 26th forum, mayoral forum. All of the candidates, all of the declared candidates who got their petitions in and who or will be on the ballot, they will be with us. And so we want to know what you want to tell, what you want to hear from them. It's going to be exciting, but there's a lot of people in the audience that we want you to be there. So give away just a few tickets. I can't wait to hear who's going to be the winner on the Santita Johnson show today. Hey, everybody, call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. We're talking about the mayoral race in Chicago, which has national state, and local and international implications. This is a major global city. Who will be the mayor? Will we have a runoff? What's going to happen? And how did we get here? Because all of these tribes, if you will, are competing for this seat. But it's a little bit more than that. Because now more and more and more, we are engaging in coalition politics. More and more and more. I mean, people have competing and then uh, confluent interests. Gotta talk about that today. Who do you have in this race? I just want to know. Is it Chewy Garcia? Is it the mayor? Is it Cam Buckner? Is it Jamal? Is it Brandon Johnson? Jamal Reed, excuse me. Is it Brandon Johnson? And at Carl Westrom, uh, the Black United Fund of Illinois, he's their new chair. We're going to have um, Aaron Connolly talking about it. And we've got, of course, legal Q&A with CK looking at all of these legal implications. Because if you do not think that a mayor is important, hmm. All you have to do is look at what Coleman Young was able to do in Detroit, what Maynard Jackson was able to do in Atlanta, what, what Marion Barry was able to do in Washington, D.C. They have so much power, so much power, and they can change the way you live, and they can change the life options of entrepreneurs. There's so much that we've got to talk about today. We've got to find out how we got here. And, of course, someone who's been handling that brilliantly has been Dwight McKee, and, of course, he's got the brilliant Legal analyst for Court TV, Chair of Rainbow Push, past president of the National Bar Association, C.K. Hoffman. But first up, we've got to talk about these vittles. You know, I've got to get something from you. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be something. I'm going to get something for this Super Bowl. I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to this party empty-handed. I'm serious. 
Well, Santita, at Celebrations by Us, we are gearing up for the Super Bowl as well as also Valentine's Day, the Day of Love. So give us a call at 708 526 4546. 708 526 4546. We are doing uh, all types of wings honey barbecue wings, garlic parmesan, uh, sweet chili. teriyaki, as well as also buffalo and barbecue. So give us a call, 708-526-4546. We're doing sliders and meatballs, as well as Cajun rice, uh, spaghetti, anything that you could uh, think that you could utilize, as well as hoagie sandwiches. Those are all popular things that we make for the Super Bowl. But we're still doing our uh, Valentine's Day uh, flowers, as well as uh, fresh chocolate color strawberries, as well as also our custom cookies. So give us a call, 708-526-4546. Let us serve you. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. Oh, hey, everybody. What do you think about this mayoral race? Who do you have in this race? Is it Mayor Lightfoot, the incumbent? Is it Cam Buckner? Is it Chewy Garcia? Is it Jamal Green? Is it Brandon Johnson? Is it Sophia King? Who? Do you God? I just want to know. Call me at 773 773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-763-9278-773-
figure out letting these people drop out, these people drop out, and maybe, maybe having one or two people. Dwight McKee. Uh, yeah, you you could have, but it depends on how the people are running. Are they running for their own interests, and are they set up to run in behalf of other people in their interest? And what they see the stakes is, and even today it's not too late for that to happen, but you have to see what they're trying to negotiate and what they're trying to leverage. And so it may not come down to nine actual candidates. Uh, by the time this thing kicks in, it may be only three or four left because there can be some side deals cut. The important thing for us is to understand who are cutting the deals and whose behalf are the deals being cut. But uh, it's not too late for that. Hmm. What about uh, what about these? Um, I mean, what's at stake here in this race today? I mean, as you've watched this, well, as you watched this, as you watched this evolve. I mean, because I mean, just to think, you grew up under Boss Daly, right? Um, the all-powerful mayor. Really, he's really the iconic and powerful mayor um, of the 20th century in the United States of America. Let's just go back. Who was he? And what kind of power do he hold, Dwight? Well, it was no accident the name of his book was Boss that Roy Cole wrote about him and what he did. To understand Delhi again, you have to understand Chicago. And Chicago was a city where uh, these different ethnic groups came over from different uh, places in order to get themselves a piece of a tremendous rock that was the hub of transportation and distribution for the country. And Daly's family had come over from Ireland. Uh, understand now that in Europe, Europe is a country with 10 tribes and few natural resources. And most of the, those resources were controlled by a real small group of people called nobles and kings and, and princesses. And so the average person in Europe, average European, uh, really was serfs or had nowhere to live or own land, or they lived uh, as part of the castle and they worked for the castle. They had very few options for uh, opportunities in Europe. And so when they had crises in Europe, many of those groups moved over here uh, for new opportunities. And they generally moved over as families and brought their other families over. And so Daly was fortunate enough when he came is at a time when a lot of the Irish had come over and established themselves. And so what they were able to do is use politics as a political base to entrench themselves, mostly in the public sector, and so you really almost had to live in Bridgeport to have a job downtown in sanitation or to be a policeman or to be a fireman. And those jobs became generational jobs. And those jobs became competitive for all the blacks who had migrated up here from the South who had come over here, up here for their own opportunities. 
And so what Bailey was able to do effectively is to create a machine. The reason it's called a machine is because part of its role is to lock itself in and lock everybody else out. And and he was effectively doing that because in order for, it was called patronage, and it meant that in order for you to get a job, you had to pledge allegiance to him and his political mechanism. It was part of the process. You almost had to take a, a test uh, in order for you to have a government job. And it became self-perpetuating for 30, 40, 50 years through him and even his son. Uh, so for half a century, it became part of not just the daily family, but the whole Irish machine. Because before him, there were mayors like Cermak, uh, who had been part of the whole uh, Irish plantation that was able to position themselves in such a way as to take many of the resources out of the city. Do we still deal with any of that today? I mean, is that the source of some of the attention? You know, because we still have tensions in Chicago, although I think that we also at the same time, CK, uh, Dwight, I want you to speak to this, and CK, I want you to speak to that, because we saw the difference that a fair mayor makes in Atlanta and Detroit and uh, Washington, D.C. And in, 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 in when people are inclined to open up the city so that everyone can enjoy the fruits of the city, we see it, can, it, it completely changes how people live. Are we still living with that today, Dwight McKee? Or, is, was the, are, or are the machine politics behind us? Well, the science of politics is who gets what, when, where. And so uh, over the last probably 100 years, those resources have been really uh, uh, distributed uh, unequally based on who was in power. And so the philosophy of politics is uh, the one that gets the spoils which means that they have the right to divide all of those resources that comes out of the victory. The dilemma we've had is, because most of us come out of the church, our philosophy has been that when we win, we really kind of govern for everybody. And so our philosophy is kind of an equal opportunity philosophy. And so when we win, we try to divide the resources between, you know, the blacks and the whites and the gays and the the white women and the natives and whoever has been kept out of the process. And so what you have over time is very unequal distribution that when their mayors get in, they then use those resources to build their communities and their ethnic groups. So a, a, a Jewish mayor uh, would would take his resources and take take our tip money and give it to all of the Jewish developers. The Irish mayor would take all of the jobs and give them to his Irish uh, patriots. The 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 if, when 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 a woman becomes the mayor, she would distribute as many people to her constituency of white women as she possibly can. 
And so over time, what happens is that when we win, they win. But when they win, we lose. And so what you have now really is a tale of two cities. You have one city who has, for the last hundred years, dominated all of the resources. And you have, you know, us who kind of have taken what we could get. And we generally go, by the time it's over, go from like when Harold Washington was the mayor, from 40% of the contracts to now we, I think, about 4 or 5%. Because over time, these different philosophies collide. And there's usually not the same recipe spirit of reciprocity and for with those groups that with us that we have for them. We've been talking with Dwight McKee about how we got where we are and what is at stake in, in this mayoral race. Um, yeah. But Trini Hoffler, is, when you hear that under Harold Washington, I mean, and people are still talking about Harold Washington, and he's been gone almost 40 years, but his impact was so profound that he was really the product of, well, he was a beneficiary of a long-time movement towards fairness, right? Um, yes. Because he was a machine guy who was kicked out of the machine and, you know, who had to get his bearings, right, right after, you know, after having had that experience. Because his father was in the machine. That's the way you got jobs. That having been said, um, is there a basis for lawsuits when you go from 40% of a contract to 4 to 5%? Because <laughs> that is just, the, the city is not 4 to 5% black. You know, that's not <laughs> what this is. But, you know, it seems like in this anti-affirmative action climate, um, in this anti-diversity climate, I mean, what what does is there, do we have any legal recourse, CK? Good morning, Santita. Well, you know, Dwight McKee outlined beautifully, you know, where things stood, where they came from, how they evolved in cities like Chicago. So, is there legal recourse? There's always legal recourse to sue a city for any reason for wrongdoing. Cities get sued all the time, whether it's for, you know, brutality. Um, wrongful termination and things like that. So you do have recourse to sue, but will there be a viable cause of action that could be successful? And is there precedent? That's a different question. I think you can sue a city for discrimination in contracting. You know, part of why we got, um, you know, HUD contracts were distributed was because there were lawsuits against the federal government. There were lawsuits involving also cities because cities, oftentimes had a role in the distribution, even when there was a HUD-sponsored contract. Ultimately, the contractors were controlled who was going to get the contract by the cities. That happened um, in Atlanta. So you do have recourse, but you have to be very specific, as with any litigation. You have to be very specific about how you have specifically, or how a class, how a group has been specifically harmed. The question is, who would bring that lawsuit? So would it be a con- because you've got to be harmed? You can't just because ostensibly all black people could say, well, you know, I've been harmed some way, slavery descendants. And that is the essence of the reparations um, lawsuits that we've seen. But a lot of the reparations lawsuits that have happened, including one that um, I was involved in, Charles Ogletree, Willie Gary, Johnny Cochran, many, many years ago, we filed a suit in Oklahoma. The, a lot of these suits get kicked out because they're not specific enough or because of 
jurisdiction issues or a statute of limitations. So you have to be very specific. Someone has to be harmed and you have to be able to specifically outline how you've been harmed. But to answer your question, is there legal recourse? Of course there's legal recourse, and there always is. It's just a question of uh, what the cause of action is. And then looking at the local laws in whatever jurisdiction in Illinois, which I haven't looked at for these purposes, to see if there's a statute that specifically precludes certain types of litigation. Now, if there is, you shouldn't just say, well, that's the end of it, because it's not the end of it. We are seeing now that in California, you know, people pass statutes and then they pass other statutes, repealing statutes. We saw that with the repeal of Roe versus Wade. How about that? But even on a, on a state level, on a local level, in California, now we're seeing lawsuits against gun manufacturers. That's new, because before the gun manufacturers enjoyed, uh, and, uh, really, really enjoyed tremendous immunity from litigation. So I think that in circumstances where it's dramatic, it's draconian, yes, litigation is appropriate. I dare say the litigation and some form of litigation is probably how some mayors felt empowered to go ahead and step out and mandate that, you know, 40% of the business. Because we saw that with Marion Baird. We saw it with Maynard Jackson. We saw it, of course, with Harold Washington. We saw it um, in Cleveland. We saw it in Detroit. And all of these mayors at that time, remember, they have a, a U.S. council mayors. They have national council mayors. They made a determination, and they collaborated, and they co- coordinated, really, their efforts that they wanted to see greater minority participation, participation, and they did it. The political climate now is not the same, but so what? It just takes a mayor to get out and do it. And, and because mm-hmm. they have the ability, mayors are very, very powerful. You asked that question earlier, Santita. Mayors are very powerful. They can appoint municipal judges in some states. They can appoint everybody who would be over government contracting everything, the people who are making their decisions. Well, if a mayor has as a mandate, as in many cities, that he or she wants to have X percentage or as a goal, they can just word it so that it's legally acceptable, then that's what a mayor can do, and they can implement it, and they do all the time. So this race in Chicago, remember in Atlanta, when, when Keisha Lance Bottoms ran, and one, there were 17 candidates originally. And, and we were asking the same questions. Why couldn't y'all get together and just decide who's not going to run this time and this and that? And they were like, no, we don't want to get together and do that. We want to run. And Keisha Lance Bottoms was not projected to win. It was Caesar Mitchell. So they got to be real careful what they wish for, because when you have so many candidates on the field, the victor may not always be the front runner. Because you just don't know how voters will vote. So a lot of legal recourse, Santita, and a lot of, uh, a lot of money, billions and billions of dollars, can be at the disposal of a mayor because of the business that they have the ability to control. And that's what's important. Well, I mean, and Dwight McKee, I've got about 90 seconds here. I mean, not only business, uh, our mayor, Richard J. Daly, Controlled president. <laughs> you know, you couldn't become president unless you came through Chicago, Dwight. That's a tremendous amount of power. Tremendous amount of power. Um, well, I mean, and, and it seems that Dr. King and Reverend Jackson and you, all of you, upended that. I mean, just very quickly. Well, you know, when we get on the other side, why don't you talk about that Democratic convention in 1972? And Reverend Jackson's run for mayor in 1971 that led us to that with Bill Singer, 
Alderman Bill Singer. And it's like you help to start the, I guess, the, a reset on the machine, the breaking up of the machine. Would you not agree with that, that last, last minute before we go? Uh, to a point. Uh, but there's a little more, there's a little more dimensions, a couple more dimensions to that. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a, 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 a new, it created a new thought process and created some options that we didn't have before. But it was a coalition between Reverend Jackson, between the black community and the Jewish community that took us there. It was Reverend Jackson and Alderman Singer that really began to put the, that dynamic in motion to challenge the machine at the Democratic Convention. So we can talk okay, about that on the other side. Yeah, well, we got on the other side, because I want to know how and why that happened, because that was in 72. That's just barely four years after the, the assassination, after the murder of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And they felt so moved to make that move on uh, Richard J. Daly, Mayor Daly. And it was carried live on television when conventions, Dwight and C.K., were still conventions. And it was fought until the middle of the night. Were you down there in Miami with them, Dwight? No, I wasn't. I, I was in school. Okay. They wouldn't to go down. I was about to say, that's a shock. <laughs> but, but no, the, yeah, was, oh, well, you know, well, that's right. You were in college. But it was, we were waiting, CK. We were allowed to stay up until the middle of the night to watch them unseat Mayor Richard Daly. And it was, it sent us a shockwave through the country. Uh, and who knows what all happened in February. Who do you want to win? Call me at 773-763-9278. We'll be back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 20, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. And AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Meet me on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Meet the morning stars over there. We have great conversations there and on the Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page, everybody. That's where you can become my friend. Not the Santita Jackson landing page. You're kicking people off as we speak, and it's breaking my heart. But go to Santita Jackson and Friends, would you please? And meet me on Twitter, at Santita J, at Santita J. Got a tremendous panel as we talk about this may all race. Indeed, I have two tickets to give away. I'm going to give them away in about 30 minutes or so uh, for our mayoral form, which is January 26th, just a week. From tomorrow, it's going to be fantastic. All of the mayoral candidates, the declared candidates, the candidates who got their petitions and this candidates who will be on the ballot, they will be at this forum. And we want you to have an opportunity to be there, too. And a lot of other people are going to join us. It's going to be quite the event. Joan Esposito, uh, one of the deans of, of, a, of Chicago journalism, and, of course, Patty Vasquez and Santita Jackson, yours truly, will be moderating this event cannot wait for next Thursday, January 26th. You don't want to miss it. Call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. 
I know everyone's got an opinion on this race. I mean, and I want to know who you got. Who, who, do, who do you have? Is it the sitting there? Is it Chewy Garcia? Is it Brandon Johnson? Is it Sophia King? Is it Jamal Green? Is it Rod Sawyer? Is it Paul Vallis? Uh, is it Willie Wilson? I mean, what? Who, who do you think is going to, is anyone going to win or will we have to have a runoff in the spring? Call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let's get to some of these headlines as we get to the rest of the show. In Chicago, we'll have a high of 38 degrees and showers. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 31 degrees. It would be cloudy. The NFL had the night off, but in the NBA, well, the Timberwolves will be playing the Nuggets tonight in the NHL. Chicago, four, the Sabres, three. Uh, the Wild, four. Uh, the Capital two. And what else is going on in the world? Well, we've got problems in Ukraine. There was a crash, and it has been a, an absolute tragedy. We have seen all uh, 16 people die, including one of the interior ministers, and we are praying for the people of Ukraine this morning. And uh, we're looking at spikes in COVID 19. Yes, and we're watching people in the House of Representatives. Controversial people get their committee assignments, like uh, Congressman George Santos. There's calling them lower tier assignments, but he didn't have to get assigned to a committee at all. He got two committee assignments. Marjorie Taylor Greene, check this out. Department of Home, the Homeland Security. Oh, you can't make this up. It's going to be an exciting time in the House of Representatives. And indeed, it looks like they are, uh, they're launching an impeachment inquiry against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorka. It's exceedingly rare, exceedingly rare for the cabinet secretary to face this. We've not seen this since 1876. Will he be impeached? We will have to see. Military veterans can now receive free emergency mental health care, according to an announcement by the Department of Veterans Affairs. It went into effect yesterday. It provides inpatient care. For veterans who are in suicidal crisis for up to 30 days and outpatient care for up to 90 days at no cost. If you know anyone who is dealing with such an issue, please, please, please reach out. Do not have a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And those are just some of the headlines, some of the headlines. But you know what? We're looking at financial freedom, everybody. You know, I've been talking to you about Team Hospital, and if you are selling your home, and if you're purchasing a new home and you would like to save thousands of dollars, you need to call them. You need to call them. Why do you need to call them? Well, they're your trusted local lender. Team Hochberg is offering everyone there what they call their perks and work benefit through the end of April, which can save you thousands of dollars the next time you buy, your, buy or sell your home. This is how it works. When a Team Hochberg affiliated realtor sells your home, they'll reduce their fee up to 1%. When a Team Hochberg affiliated realtor helps you to purchase a home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as a closing cost benefit. That can approve you thousands of dollars, everybody. Team Hochberg will credit their loan origination fee and their affiliated attorney will reduce his fee. A couple saved close to $9,000 using proceeds work when they sold their home and purchased a new home. To learn how you can save thousands of dollars the next time you buy or sell a home, D, give Team Hochberg a call at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or visit 56david.com, 855-56-DAVID, 
Three two eight four three or five six David dot com. Your equal housing lender team hostage, and of course I've got some t- a ticket giveaway that you got to keep listening to the Sam Tina Jackson show because we want you to join us at the gym at the January twenty sixth mayoral debate hosted by that's right WCPT moderated by Joan Esposito, Patty Vasquez, and yours truly Sam Tita Jackson at the Morning Star Auditorium across from Daily Plaza in Chicago. Keep listening. I'm mean, you to call in in a few minutes. We've got a tremendous, tremendous panel with us today talking about this mayoral race. I want to know what your thoughts are. What are your thoughts about the mayoral race? Who do you think, who you got, who do you think is going to win? Will we have a runoff? What are your impressions of those people who are running already? We've been talking with attorney C.K. Hoffman, a legal analyst on Court TV, chair of Rainbow Push, and the past president of the National Bar Association, the oldest and largest black bar association in the world. Of course, brilliant social scientist and historian Dwight McKee has been giving us a context in which we are operating now, connecting this struggle our electoral struggles, and all the things that we're fighting for to Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and the work that they carried, that Reverend Jesse Jackson and Operation Bread Basket and Operation Potion the Rainbow and others absolutely went forth and continued on to do. And, of course, we're joined by Attorney Erin Connolly, brilliant political organizer, and um, she's from Covenant Strategies and we cannot wait to hear her thoughts about this campaign. And then Carl West, haven't had him here in a long time, but I'm so glad that the chair of the Black United Fund, the new chair of the Black United Fund of Illinois, is with us today. And, of course, you have not lived until you get this truth be told blog. It's fantastic. Let me start with you, Carl West. Um, we've got all of these people running for office. Um, is there anyone or are there any person to stand out to you? Well, let me just say this, and thank you again, and to all the to all the guests as well. How you doing? Good morning, Happy New Year. I've I've grown over the years to understand a few things that makes me, especially as I got into the media business, and that is to try to keep myself distant from any candidates that's running from any office, so that I don't have any direct connection with them. So as I report on them, write about them, there's no biases towards them at all. And so I try to keep a distance. So with that said, I don't really, I never have a horse in any race of any campaign. Even when, look, I love your brother and I wanted him to win. I was glad that he won, but you would have known that because I didn't write anything that would indicate that, that I was for him during the time that he was running. Uh, because again, I don't want my personal relationship with any candidate to get in the way because that I may be in, I may have a friend in this election who's probably not a good person who probably I believe that will not do the best for Chicago. So would I wave that person's flag because of my personal opinion of them? I don't want to ever be caught in that, in that trick bag sort of say, so I don't, have any thoughts in terms of who will win. Now, I'll say one thing. There's a person who has done more for black Chicago in the last 20 years than any one of them, That even our current mayor, and that's the Dr. Willie Wilson, based on his involvement in the community. Now, do I want him to win? That's a private, that's a private matter. Again, I don't have a horse in any race because I look at the last 20 years of Chicago, last 
30 years of Chicago, what has been the progress of Chicago with the mayors we've had in the past? And I don't think it's been significant enough for me to wave anybody to be the forefront or be the winner. Look at our automatic positions, right? We got aldermen who are running. Well, what does your ward look like? What have you done in your ward to to why we should even be looking at you as a viable candidate to to run the city of Chicago, to be the CEO of Chicago, when your ward has not seemed to have had any improvements during your duration as an alderman, alderwoman, whatever the case may be. So I can go down the road at each candidate and look at them and say, what really have you done? Now, you have a fair, you have a fair shot, equal opportunity to run like anyone can, but what is your contribution that you've done in your past to why I should look at you to run this city for the present and the future. And neither one of them really um, impresses me, not even our current mayor. Um, I'm just not impressed with any of them. And I'll participate in the process. I'll write about it and be fair and give them all equal time. But um, at the end of the day, no one has, I'm going to use a line in my conclusion to this. I'm going to use one line from a Jay-Z song. They neither one of them have given me startup money. I've been in business twenty years and I don't remember any one of them doing anything to start my business or to contribute to my business the last twenty years and my business has remained is successful. So clearly I don't need the mayor to be a successful business person and a lot of my peers feel that same way. Mm, but how does a mayor Dwight and CK uh, how can a mayor change an entrepreneur's or somebody who has to start a business, how can they change your options? I saw when I was in college in Washington, D.C., you, you and I, you and law school there, we went to in D.C. at the same time. We saw how Marion Barry was the game changer. You did not have a black entrepreneurial class. You had a, you know, you had an aspirational uh, black entrepreneurial class in Washington, but it's a government town. He completely changed the game for black folks in D.C. Completely. And you saw Coleman Young do it in Detroit. You saw not only did... Uh, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. The mayor in Atlanta did in Atlanta. Well, he did it in Atlanta. I mean, and, you know, when these people have the mind to do it, and he did a, re- a complete reset on the South, and Marion Barry did that politically, politically for us. Richard Hatcher was not able to do it because these people took the rug out from underneath him and moved Gary to, Mer- to Merrillville. But that's another story that we need to tell that day. I mean, what does, starting with you, Dwight, what does a mayor do? The mayor determines who gets what when. Not only determines who builds the roads, he determines whose roads get built. And what I was saying a little while ago is that the difference between us and them is that for us it's an ass. For them, it's a take. Is we're so busy when we get in get power of being called a racist, is that we've been over backwards to make sure that everybody benefits from our position that the spoils are divided. Whereas for them, so Obama will be so intimidated by being called a racist that other groups will get more than he's willing to invest in the black community. Whereas once they're in charge, they understand power to the victim belongs to spoils. And so they make sure that the resources that they have access to go to the base that put them in office and who they represent. Bush looked at the rich people and said, 
They call you rich. I call you my base. And so I have no problems giving you cutting the tax money so you have more. I have no problem starting a war so you can get the money. I have no, no problem setting you up so that there's a lifetime of wealth for you and your community. It really becomes a mindset that once you understand how much power you have and, and, and who can benefit from that, and the reasons that they need benefit for that, uh, whether or not it's personal or whether it's not uh, in behalf of the community. But you have an awesome amount of resources. Daly was able to take his family and give them most construction contracts. I think it was Maggie's uncle was the major when Daly was involved. You saw those names on every building that was going up down. That was that was, that was Walsh Construction. That's who that was. Yeah, Walsh Construction. Is yep. that and so how we participated in that uh, was either in very limited ways or in symbolic ways. But he was able to, to make that family one of the preeminent construction companies in the world. So we have to really understand not just just how much power that the mayor has, but what is he going to do with that power and he's going to benefit from that power. And to, and to his point, Santita, not only did Walsh become the most sec, uh, successful and lucrative construction company during the daily daily era, they still are now, but they spawn you how they spawn off so many people who left those company that company and started their own company that they financed who are now also benefiting from city contracts. So it's not just that that company became successful. You got a dozen folks who came out of that company, their family, and who are now in the construction business and have companies in various uh, throughout the state of Illinois, not just Chicago. And so that's just an incredible thing to do. Well, you know, but that was that was the point that you know that I wanted to amplify because even though you've been able to make it without the help, the fact is we keep thinking that we keep raising up people who are of average size and we lift them up and put them on pedestals when we call them giants. I'm like, no, 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 they're just as tall as I am. They just have a lot of support. And this is support that most of us do not have. We don't have access to the capital. We don't have access. And when you don't have access, it cuts down on your success uh, very quickly. Uh, Aaron Connolly. I mean, think about that. Think about how, how women are cut out. Oh, my gosh. I mean, think about well, that. There's so, many, there's so many people that are, everybody gets that are cut, cut out. out. I mean, a a really great example of the microcosm of this has been my work in the cannabis industry in Illinois. When we see, um, you know, minority applicants either shut out of the process or put in a position where they're waiting years and years to start the businesses that these well-connected people, as you mentioned, for many years have gotten this, this head start. And that head start can turn into millions and eventually billions of dollars in certain industries. And that access to the fifth floor um, of City Hall in Chicago is, is important access. And who gets protected, who gets information, who, who is the priority. And what I hope to see uh, in, this, in this contentious uh, sprint to the finish, I'm going down to City Hall right now, 
um, to be a part of this debate. And we're looking at who, who are the people that this new mayor will bring with them to the fifth floor of City Hall and who will be influencing these choices, who will be the priority. Is it going to be teachers? Is it going to be real people in the city that don't live in the preferred zip codes like we've seen our mayors come from from the last uh, few times? Is this mayor going to be from Bridgeport or the north side? Or is this mayor going to have a little bit more of an understanding of what real Chicagoans go through? Are they going to wait two days to get their uh, streets plowed for their neighbors? Have they experienced that? Have they experienced their local school closing and, and the impact that that has in their community? Have they seen the impact of mental health clinics closing in their neighborhoods or their families' neighborhoods? All of these pieces are the important questions. I know Santita and her friends from WCPT 820 will ask next week and what I'm listening to when we're at these, these rallies and town halls throughout the city. And I hope... Um, you know, we have some good progressive options on the ballot. That's that's the bright side for me is that um, the folks have some choices and people that have records. Look at the records, right? Not what people are saying. Look at what they've done. Because what they've done, they will do at a greater level um, when they get into this office, period. So look at the work they've done already. Are they rooted in their community? Have, do they have the results necessary to trust them with this very, very big job? And, and, and I'll tell you what I've seen. What I've seen over the years is politics. This, this once you in that the belly of that beast, and I'm gonna call it that, it changes people. I mean, I've seen some good folks have all the right intentions and do, and, and you know, but as soon as they got there, they just became different monsters. They became different people. It's just, it's can, like, I, can I offer this up to you, Carl? Yes. No, if I could offer this up to you, because things because not only do you change, but things change around you. You're not the same guy you were before you owned the business. The fact is, when you run for office, you have people who oppose you. You have people who support you. You have people who you think support you who actually oppose you. You have all of that. But when you win, you're the winner, and people treat you differently because they, even your opponents, want to be your best friend because... They need you, and therefore they start lobbying you. That's why what we try to do is have, have is really help people to understand that your, the voting is the end of the beginning, not the beginning of the end. Now that you've gotten someone into office, or even if the person who gets into office was not your choice, now you got to advocate. You got to push for yourself because guess what? Even the person who fought against you, your candidate or that candidate is up in that office trying to get a meeting so they can get their business done, so that they can get their needs or neediness or whatever it is, so they can get their interests met. And I think that, sure. you know, Carl, we have to understand that about politics, because that's, that's, the, that's the way it is, because you're not going to be, you, nobody's ever the same. You, you can't be, because you see something different, because you're dealing with different issues. And you have different people coming at you, but you got to, your supporters have to stay in there and hold you true to your beliefs and to your promises. I've got I've got less than a minute, Carl. I mean that's true. I mean you're absolutely correct about that. But again, power power does something to everybody. You give people who never had it, and you put them in powerful positions, it does something to people. You got to be a real 
you got to be somebody who is really grounded in in yourself and your spirituality. I mean, for real, not just saying it. You got to be grounded in everything around you that has given you life. Come from the communities you come from, the family that raised you, the people that mentored you. You really your ancestors that you know that fought for you to have this certain freedom you have today. You got to be a special real person, man, to to be able to avoid that power dynamics that sucks you in. And with all those elements you just named, they all are part of that power that sucks you in. And you walk a whole lot different. I'm just telling you, I've seen that on so many occasions. And, and it's just hard for me to, to, to believe that anyone is going to get there and get that key to that office and really turn around and say, now let me let me give my will to the people. Let me give my will to the people. It is hard for me to believe that anybody is going to get there and do that. I'm, look, I'm an optimist. I believe in the possibilities, but please, okay. please, somebody, somebody show me that you care about the will of the people when you well, get that. You no, know, I tell you, having had a front row seat, having lived it, if you don't have a partner, my father, thank God, has had a wife who's clear as a bell. you got to have that last person who you see who holds you true. She's always done that. you got to have, there's so many things that need to be going in your direction. I mean, and that's just the way it is, because this is the way power goes, son, power. Yeah, yes. That's the way it is. It, it is. it is what it is. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show. Renee, I'm going to hear from you when we get back on the other side. I want to know who you are pulling for in this election. Who do you think has got the shot? Do you think we're going to have a runoff? Yes or no? Call me at 773-763-9278. In fact, call me at 773-763-9278 so you can win a pair of tickets to this, uh, well, I'll say it on the other side. Back in just a minute on the Santuca Jackson Show. <laughs> This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody, talking about the nature of power. I want you all to call me at 773-763-9278. We've got Carl West. You've got to read his be told blog. Of course, he's the chairman of the Black United Fund of Illinois, attorney C.K. Hoffer, legal analyst on Court TV, chair of Rainbow Push, and uh, the former president of the National Bar Association. We've got brilliant political strategist and organizer Aaron Connolly and Dwight McKee, our, our historian in residence, brilliant social scientist. Everyone, I'm giving away tickets to the January 26th. WCPT mayoral forum. You don't want to miss it. It's a pair of tickets. It's a pair of tickets. So it's a pair of tickets, everybody. We are giving away a pair of tickets to WCPT's mayoral forum Thursday, January 26th at Morningstar Auditorium, across from Daly Plaza in Chicago. All nine candidates, all nine candidates have confirmed their participation in this forum. This is your chance to hear directly from the candidates. Lunch will be provided at 11 a.m. The forum begins at noon. Joan Esposito, George Truly, Santita Jackson, and Patty Vasquez will be moderating the forum. The forum on WCPT is sponsored by Morningstar, Roofers, Local 2, and Oscar Iberian Rugs. Contests running on WCPT are open to listeners 
18 or older and residents of the greater Chicago and Northwest Indiana area, one entry per person, one winner per household, void were prohibited by law. Listeners may only win uh, or qualify to win once every 30 days. Complete rules are available on our website at WPT820.com by clicking the contest tab. Call me at 773. 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight. So you can get these tickets, everybody. Seven seven three, seven six three nine two seven eight. I will announce the winner shortly. Is Renee still there? I wanted to get her call. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Hello. Renee. What's on your mind today? You have a candidate. I do, but you know, I want to say that in Chicago, in my lifetime, I've seen that quite frequently people don't vote because they feel like they have nothing to vote for. In 2019, I believe 23% of eligible voters voted. That's a dismal number. Um, but in this election, I hope people come out to vote. My candidate right now, well, not right now, period, is Brandon Johnson. Because Brandon has already proven that he's going to fight for causes like housing uh, for all people. Because as a CTU organizer, he was part of the push for the focus of the Chicago Teachers Union to be on having houses and on helping with uh, people who are going through trauma and speaking about mental health facilities and equity in the schools and equality for all of the students in the school and for the city. As a commissioner, I believe he um, introduced and I believe it passed a, a piece of legislation where formerly incarcerated people uh, could get housing in the city instead of being denied because, as you guys know, even with CHA, they restrict housing for certain populations who need housing the most. I think there might be a runoff between Brandon and Chewy Garcia, and I wouldn't have a problem with either of those two men being the mayor of Chicago because I think they would both try to fight for what's needed to help bring everybody up in the city and not just focus on the people in the zip codes with the most money. So that's my thoughts on this. But I'm supporting Brandon Dunn. All right. Okay, okay. You think there's going to be a runoff? I, I think there might be a runoff. It's the, way it's, the way our elections are set up in Chicago, I think they're there might be a runoff. And they're tied. Uh, The last I checked, they were tied with each other. So I think there might be a runoff, especially since there are so many people in, you know, running. That's what I want. All right, all right. Well, you know, everybody, let me know what you think. Will there be a runoff? Between these nine candidates, can anyone pull together 50%? I think we've got a winner. Roosevelt, is Roosevelt still on the phone? Tatia, thank you for taking my call. I, did you win the tickets, Roosevelt? Did I? I hope so. You did? <laughs> thank you very much. Congratulations to you. Congratulations. And never miss your show. Love you, like always. And as far as the uh, mayor's election, I hope that... Uh, Brendan Johnson wins. I, I, he's at the top of my heat. 
I, that's just my opinion. He's very, uh, very well versed as far as uh, the politics of it, and uh, I can't. I can't vote against the union supporter just as like uh, just as uh, Brandon Johnson. So he's my he's my uh, he's my number one. Okay, all right, okay. Well, you know, of course. Well, you know, I need you to hold on because you need to get. There is a form that you've got to fill out, board operator Henry, and so you've got to get his information. I'm going to keep Roosevelt. Don't hang up. Do not hang up. Do not hang up. Stay right there, Roosevelt. Okay, stay right there, sweetie, because we've got to get you your tickets, okay? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, stay right there. Put, okay, Henry, put him on hold. I'm going to send you the form. I thought you had it so that we can get him his tickets, and we're going to get that to him very shortly. Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Dwight, do you think that, We'll have to have a runoff. Or do you think somebody will be able to pull off 50% of the vote? Uh, no, I think it'll probably be a runoff. You know, they, they, they set up just so they wouldn't have another Harold Washington situation. Um, I was just curious to know that why it seems like blacks are not uh, that in, in, excited about Willie Wilson and what that issue is for, for us. It's, I think Landon's an excellent candidate. I think Hugh is also an excellent candidate. My only concern with Brandon would be is how he would deal with these, these unions and these teacher unions who have over the last 10 years eviscerated black teachers uh, around the city, across the city, and substituted the jobs that we had in the 50s and the 60s for these young white college students who needed their debt excused. And so they flipped us in such a way as to give all of the teaching jobs to these young white uh, students who already stay about three or four years long enough to get their, their debt excused. That would be my primary concern about where Brandon is on that position. And I think there's one question that needs to be asked. I think Chewy will be a great candidate, but, you know, he represents a very specific constituency. And so I think that we would have to sit down with him, the black community, and find out where we fit in that general schematic. Because if he wins, he represents uh, a whole, another group that has been disenfranchised, that has to make up their hundred years of being disenfranchised. And have no doubt much of that will be at our expense. And I think we have to do that candidate by candidate so that we will know, you know, where where our benefits lie and why we're supporting who we're supporting. And it's just not any emotional support. It's strategic support that deals with our long range uh, in, 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 in involvement in the transference of these resources. And then lastly, we have to understand how this game is played and who plays this game. For example, one of the things that has come out of this, and I always talk about these ethnic groups, is because the Irish and the uh, have been dominant in politics and the police forces and the unions uh, and the, uh, the firemen 
one of the things they did with these public pension funds, the Irish politicians, is they locked a cost of living increase into the very constitution of the state. And so that it has become, for the most part, an Irish annuity for generations. And so what it really is is a transfer of our money, the tax money, to them by law that can't be challenged. And so they get richer and richer and we get poorer and poorer because politics, they have that much power. But if we don't understand that, We'd be working against ourselves uh, and become manipulated by these different groups because they have a more fundamental understanding of how politics work than many of us and have no problems being perceived as machine politicians or power politicians or sharing those resources because they don't have that same complex we have about being perceived as racist or unfair or not the mayor of the whole community. That would be my concern, but I do think that it can. Well, I will say to Chewy Garcia's credit, he has worked on building coalitions for decades, and that's very, very helpful um, because coalition politics is going to be, is, it's, it's the way of the future. That having been said, each composite within the coalition needs to be strong. And, you know, we can, we can never forget that either. So, I mean, why don't you think um, Willie Wilson has gained more traction, well, in, in broader parts of the black community? Because I think that, you know, in, with a particular element, particularly with working class people, he and, and the church community. He's gained a lot of traction, Carl. And I was, I'm, I'm glad you brought that to me, that question to me, because I was going to say there are two sleeper horses to me in this race, and one of them is Brandon Johnson. He is he is going to be a sleeper horse, of course, and then there's Willie Wilson. And I think Willie Wilson, he his campaign is quiet, but you got to remember, Willie Wilson won all the black wards when he ran the last time and he gifted those to Mayor Lightfoot when he endorsed her. So it's not like Willie is being, I think that the church is going to, the church community is all going to go. You're talking about the elderly in the church, the 50 plus, 60 plus are going to go with Willie because of his longstanding association with the churches. And they all supported him. I think Willie is going to be a sleeper horse this time around. It's going to really surprise people. Uh, and be his number, he may be in the runoff with Brandon Johnson. <laughs> he may be in the runoff with, I just don't think Chewy is going to make the runoff. I think people giving Chewy more credit than in terms of his, his, what, what people care about him in the committee. Cause most of my peers, right, in my generation, and we vote, we ain't, Chewy ain't even on our radar. Like, it's like, who is he? What has he ever done that we've seen significantly? Now, whatever you ever, whatever you've seen, Santina, and you, the other gentleman and lady, we know in our peer group, we ain't even thinking about Chewy. He don't even, he don't even, he don't even touch the radar on our, like, he just came out of nowhere to most people, even though he's been a congressman. But we ain't seen him. We don't, we don't, we don't associate with him. So the church is really going to bring Willie up 
uh, it's, it's that upper echelon of black people, unfortunately, that has their own stigma about, you know, wealth and then about poverty and lower class people that really keeps Willie out of their lips. But Willie's going to really be matter. sleeper horse next, 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 to, next, to, next, to, next to Brandon. They're both going to be the sleeper horses in this race. It's going to get more than what we thought. They may even be neck and neck at the runoff. Absolutely. I mean, it, look, he's taken hits on speech and, you know, degree, pedigree, all of that. But at the end of the day, yeah. God lifts you up. That doesn't, that, it just doesn't matter. You know, what matters are the people, people and, and, who want, the and who wants me in. I have lived that my whole life. At the end of the day, when Reverend ran for president, it was a people's draft, Carl. And Dwight McKee remembers that, and Aaron, and, and C.K. Reverend was trying to get Maynard Jackson or, or Andrew Young to run for president. He said, because you're more acceptable. Because Reverend was the renegade, and he was, didn't have, you know, the, the soft, the smooth edges of, a, of, of an Andrew Young or even a Maynard Jackson, and he didn't have their electoral records. And so, but it was the people who said, no, we want you. While he's making the case all, for almost a year why a black person should run and why they should do it. But they didn't do it. Maynard Jackson had just gotten remarried and had a new baby. And Uncle Andy said, I just don't know if this is a great idea, Jesse. <laughs> I don't know. And there you have it. And the people started calling for him to run. No, you run. You do it. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, I mean, that's just, you know, we have our class issues just like everybody else. We do. But let me, let me move this around. But let me move this around. I mean, what are you seeing with this election in a couple of minutes, uh, in, in a couple of minutes, uh, Aaron. Aaron well, um, oh, good morning. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I loved hearing the enthusiasm from some of these callers about the work we've seen uh, candidate Brandon Johnson do in the community as an organizer, as a county commissioner, in recent years, um, making sure that um, our our health care in Cook County is a priority through COVID, through um, uncertain times where he was focused on getting families in Cook County uh, cash transfer funds for those extra expenses, as we often talk about here in your show, Santita, the price of gas and choosing between that and medication. Um, so I, I think all of those pieces are relevant. But as we know, with the, the political situation in Chicago, you have to work in broad-based coalitions. So that doesn't just mean um, meeting and supporting uh, your friends and, and the people who follow your movement, but getting, getting real deals done for all of the people in the city with complex um, interests and priorities. And I, I think we have some, some really dedicated public servants that can effectively bridge those gaps and find that common ground. And that's another piece we talk about here and with um, Keep Hope Alive, that there's always a place where we have respect, where we have um, decorum, where we have diplomacy. And I believe there's, uh, you know, candidates like Brandon Johnson, Chewy Garcia, who have formed these diverse coalitions throughout the years, have the ability to bring those folks together and ultimately do what's the right thing to do for our city, which is more jobs, safer schools, safer streets, and providing the services that we're paying these exorbitant property taxes 
for in Chicago, right? We want things to work. We want park districts that are funded. We want libraries that are open and operating. We want our streets plowed on time. Um, and we don't want to have to give favors to do it like the old Chicago way. So I think we have some opportunities to make that happen. From Chicago, but you are involved in politics in Atlanta and nationally. I mean, what what should we be looking for? I mean, if you were in Chicago, what would you be looking for? What what would your ask be? If I were in Chicago now, um, Santita, my would be for a candidate who can pivot with the times. You know, talk is cheap. We always see a lot of political people, especially when they're running, make a lot of promises. And, and I'd want to see someone who can actually make less promises, but deliver on those promises that he or she makes um, in terms of community, broad-based community support, identifying the most critical issues in Chicago. And there are a number of them that are re- recurring issues um, in terms of police brutality, gun violence, healthcare crisis, pandemic, education. And really someone who has a plan to tackle the top, let's say, three issues and whose track record has demonstrated that they really care about those issues, that they have a base that will support them on those issues. So when they get into power, when they get into office, they can hit the ground running. And so I would not look for someone who's just saying the right things, but someone whose track records reflect that they can actually implement and that they have the type of support can bring the type of team can bring the type of coalition to get it done. And, and someone who is unapologetically going to say, I want to change the dynamic in terms of the business, the small businesses and businesses that get business with the city of Chicago. One of the most dynamic, richest, most powerful cities in the world. And, and it does take someone who has a strong base to be able to say that to carry it out. Otherwise, you're going to have business as usual. And that's Absolutely. what you have in, in this time in Chicago. Carl, I've got a minute and a half for you and a minute and a half for, for Dwight McKee. Carl, uh, the new chair of the Black United um, uh, Fund for Illinois. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll, for that question, you know, our interest with the Black United Fund, for instance, is about economic and community development. So that's one and of course, in business, it's always about economic development, always about the wealth creation, job creation. So my peers, my peers in that age demographic that I run in, we all have one common interest with anybody that's going to be the mayor, the all Dominican congressman, state rep, that's going to represent us. How can you ensure us that we will be a part of the wealth building mechanism, as this young lady said, that is so enriched in this city? That's made that has made fortunes and legacies and and generational wealth for for so many other people, but black people in this city. That's our only issue. We ain't even talking about crime. Crime ain't no issue to us. It's not at the top of our list, right? It's really at the one, two, and three. How can we play a part of this wealth building mechanism? We want to ensure ourselves. Uh, a quality of life through wealth building, legacy building, uh, that we can pass on to our children's children. That is it. We have watched it happen, and now we want a piece of it. We want to share in that. So that's what we want to represent us, to get, bring us that. 
Well, I can tell you, you know, while Reverend, while you still have him, talk to him because on his watch, he delivered. And, I mean, Chicago was a very different city economically to whites and black people um, coming out of the 60s into the 70s. You know, they, they, made, they made the successful transition from civil rights to white to civil rights, as Reverend Leon Sullivan urged Dr. King to do, and he gave Reverend Jackson that charge. Indeed, Reverend Jackson was called the Apostle of Economics um, in the Dr. King, in the Reverend Dr. King universe. The last minute belongs to you, Dwight. Well, I'm like Carl. I like to see an equity, not just of opportunity, but of resources, shared resources. One of the things that Daly did well was he delivered for his community, but he also understood who he represented. If he could use O'Hara Airport and Dan Ryan Expressway to create jobs and opportunity for his crowd, which is why they have those names, by the way, then we could create Elijah Mohammed Airport and just the Jackson uh, uh, tech centers so that if we, whoever is the mayor, we'll make sure that those resources go to develop our community and to bring some equity and some equality to our community. Uh, but again, you have to have the mindset. You have to understand that you were put in office to represent somebody you wouldn't everybody didn't vote for you so now that you're the mayor why do you think that you represent everybody why do you think you have an obligation to make sure everybody's inclusive when 50 percent of people was working against you it's a mindset as opposed to you well, focusing on the 50 percent who really helped you and the, the disenfranchised to bring them up to speed to the 50 percent who have the resources Against you. Well, you know, I have to tell you what, you have to, it's a both and. You have to work with the people who work against you, and if you work for the, you have to work for the people who work for you, who put you there. It's both. Because we have a responsibility when we go into power to handle power in the right way. I don't want to do it the way everybody else has done it. I want us to come up with something new. But we are fair, and where we reward our friends, but you don't disfavor anyone. Bring everybody in, nobody out. Going to continue to talk about this race, everybody. Congratulations to the winners, January 26th. The WCPT mayoral form. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> I love you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you, Carl West and C.K. Hoffler and Aaron Connolly and Dwight McKee. God willing, be with you tomorrow on the San Peter Jackson Show. God bless. Everybody. 